Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe Okay, three, two, one. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud. Oh, the list goes on and on. I won't bore you. In fact, we are voted number one caregiver podcast in the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Mickey Rosanis is head of the clinical development at Sensi Eye. Mickey brings years of field experience as an OT in older adult care and rehabilitation to guide Sensi's research and development and go-to-market strategy. Driven by her passion to merge the worlds of care and technology, Mickey employs her clinical background to create revolutionary change in the field of long-term care. But before we get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guests, how many Mondays do you have left? Jo- Jody Wellman is a leading authority on living lives worth living. And just to remind you, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of the other 26 global networks that I mentioned. Okay, enough of that. Mickey, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I always like to ask my guests, just who is Mickey Rosanis, and why is she placed on this earth? Oh, goodness. Well, um, I think first and foremost, I'm an occupational therapist. I like to always uh, introduce myself as that. I think it really defines who I am and who my being is. It's how I think. It's how I act. Um, And it is why I'm here today um, to be able to share with you some of the perspectives of how we can use technology in the field of caring. Wow. And um, you look so young. I mean, are you even 21? <laughs> oh, wow. It's the Zoom. It's Zoom. Um, it's like the Zoom. For us. Yeah, yeah. It's those Israeli <laughs> genes. So let me <laughs> yeah. ask you, what are the most common causes of caregiver burnout? Because, you know, so many caregivers just burn out. They give and give and give. There's nothing left to give. And like that analogy on the airplanes, you know, 30% of caregivers actually die before their loved ones do. And it's because of the stress and the burnout. So what's your prescription to prevent burnout? Yeah. So I think from my perspective, at least what I've come across both as an OT, but also working for this technology company, which we can speak about as well, is um, that caregivers often are thrown into the deep end a bit. Um, They enter situations and scenarios that they were not expecting. um, And, you know, especially if they're family caregivers, um, they are often, you know, 
dealt dealing with a lot of the emotional concern around their loved one and being able to care for them emotionally but also physically um and often what we find is that um for family members who don't have the correct tools resources knowledge and training of knowing how to deal with some of the difficulties that arise um within our aging population or within you know often it's their parents who are aging and that that who they are caring for um this is something that you know we are finding is coming up quite a lot um so i think a lot of it has mm. to do with um caregiver burnout due to lack of training or or resources and mm. knowledge um and often it's um a feeling of um possibly lack of support in being able to manage the the stresses and and difficulties that arise wow you know um i some people don't even know they're caregivers some people don't even know they're burned out and yeah. um i have a test that we have on our website uh, are you a candidate for burnout with six simple questions from aarp um what would you say are some symptoms that maybe someone doesn't even realize they're burned out they just feel that uh being miserable is part of the uh feelings that come with the territory mhm yeah so in terms of the traditional way of i guess noting that burnout usually is um maybe picked up on by someone else around this person who's the caregiver who might in a face to face and in person interaction realize and notice some of the differences for for that caregiver um that often trigger maybe those discussions about possible burnout and i think you're completely right there that sometimes people don't necessarily have the insight themselves of being able to detect that for themselves Um some of the other I guess signs to maybe look out for and maybe to be aware of um is definitely around lack of energy, lack of motivation, maybe a feeling of uh hopelessness and feeling quite overwhelmed. Um and what we find especially um you know is as part of Sensi and um the technology that helps to predict and prevent possible caregiver burnout is that when there are moments of increasing frustration in those care interactions um you know with possibly their loved one who they're caring for or maybe if they're professional caregivers as well um coming across more of those um difficult and um frustrating moments um often is that um clear indication that the stress is really getting to their ability to to um perform as as a caregiver um sometimes the, the other thing i think that maybe um socially other people might be noticing about um a caregiver is if they're withdrawing from social circles and becoming more distant um mm-hmm. and really um i guess having their own uh, emotional and mental health impact as a result of their role as a caregiver Yeah, some of the other signs that I uh talk about in my test is uh when is the last time you had lunch with a good friend, you know, isolating mm-hmm. yourself, not doing things mm-hmm. like that or do you seem to catch every bug that comes around, you know, your immune system is low, not eating right, all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's serious, isn't it? Mhm. So, let's talk about some ways that caregivers can recover from burnout or, or is it a uh a disease that they're unrecoverable from they're hopeless 
Definitely not hopeless. No, I'm I'm very positive that this is something that once we have the awareness, I guess, and the insight that this is something that's going on, um, then there, you know, there's a lot of hope there um, in terms of really having some practical ways and strategies of being able to deal with um, the the caregiver burnout that someone might be feeling. Um, the first I'd say is being able to seek advice and help and guidance, um, which I think is really difficult for a lot of people is firstly admitting that they're struggling and then really being able to ask and help, ask for the help and ask for the support. Um, like I said at the very beginning, a lot of the reasons that kind of lead towards caregiver burnout might be a lack of resources or tools and knowledge in, in maybe disease processes or um, how to manage certain behaviours or certain um, scenarios that might come up. And so that's where I think a lot of um, being able to seek that advice and um, and gain that those resources and that training is a first step. Uh, the other thing that is really important um, and it's something that I, as an OT, would often bring up with um, caregivers that I was working with is that in order for them to be able to help their either their loved one or their client, um, their professional client, that they really need to look after themselves first. A lot of our strategies for, um, for example, with transferring a person is around how can that, how can the caregiver provide the correct manual handling technique, the correct lifting and moving technique to make sure that they're not hurting themselves and that they're not injuring themselves. Um, so a lot of the priority here is really putting that person, the caregiver first, making sure that they are really looking after themselves, um, providing their own, I guess, personal care, making sure they're showering and eating and sleeping correctly to be able to make sure that that person that they're caring for is, of course, doing the same things as well. Now, um, yeah. Let me just cut in there for a moment. Would you find that once you get them to admit that, yes, I'm burned out, and you start giving them these these prescriptions to uh, prevent it. Do you get some pushback? Do uh, do they start saying, "I can't do that"? You know, I'm all alone. I got no help. You know, nobody's helping me. You know, and they got a list of excuses why they can't do what will help them get better. Did you find that the case? Yeah, I think that's often the case is there's often resistance to wanting to maybe see the recommendations and advice of someone else. I think a lot of what we can do is is really help to strategize with them around, okay, so we've come to the agreement that there is struggle and a problem here, then working together towards some of the solutions uh, that could, you know, start to see an improvement and a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the other thing here is that often it's, you know, when someone is so deep um, and down in um, in in these moments of caregiver burnout, it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I think the focus as well is really starting off with really small steps towards um, success and seeing that light and really just possibly suggesting really small ways of taking a few minutes of the day that are for that person that is right. for you know not to do with anyone else because sometimes what we find as well is that they're not only caring for maybe their parents um who are aging but they're also caring for their kids right. um and they are Sandwich. just 
constantly giving. Yeah. Exactly. They're constantly giving and they're never doing anything for themselves. So really just maybe starting off with let's dedicate five minutes towards doing something for, for yourself, um, whether it's some exercise, a hobby, um, going out for that lunch with that friend that you haven't seen for many months. Um, so really trying to focus on that one thing to take that first step towards activity. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing this for about 10 years and I've tried everything. There's a, there's a big chunk of caregivers that I've just said, I, I don't think I can help them. Their mindset is such that they just refuse to be helped and they're miserable, miserable. And mm-hmm. so I've come up with a new strategy now. It's a six-month coaching program that ends up in Acapulco on vacation in this millionaire billionaire resort. And um, I, you know, it costs some money, of course. But I tell right. them, if you have the money, fine. If you don't have the money, uh, call those siblings that you know wish they could help you, but for some reason they can't. They're geographically too far away. Or, you know, their mother doesn't like them, you're the chosen one, or whatever the case is, they feel guilty. And and you can tell them, well, just send me the money to send me to Acapulco, and you can watch grandma for a week, and you will relieve yourself of guilt, and, and you'll feel great. You've put me on a vacation, I won't burn out, I won't die, and you won't have to be faced with this problem. And I'm going to see if that works now. I'll send you some information when we're done, and you know you can possibly uh, use that as a resource to try to get people to avoid burnout. Now, that sounds what, great. Can I come? Of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll have to do some teaching, though. With pleasure. With pleasure. <laughs> So let's talk about dementia. Does that does that add a strange um, monkey wrench into the equation? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this both is my probably- mother in law and my mother uh, died mm-hmm. of dementia, and mm-hmm. now her sister, my aunt, uh, is dealing with that, and we're uh, we're dealing with that. So there seems to be dementia in the family. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure I don't become a genetic statistic on that. I too am, you know, observing my mom go through this with my grandfather and she's definitely the the main caregiver for him and he's definitely starting to um to have those cognitive difficulties and um a lot of I think a lot of the strain for my mom just to open up to the personal story is the decision making involved with mm-hmm. that um and I guess the stress uh, around if that person isn't able to make their own decisions, the person who has a diagnosis of dementia or these cognitive difficulties, then there's a lot of weight on the, the shoulders of the caregiver to be able mm. to, to make some of those decisions. Um, and the other thing is, I think, around the emotional toll that it takes um, in really seeing your loved one in those moments of decline and deterioration it's it's a bit different i guess for the a caregiver professional caregiver or a, a family caregiver mm-hmm. um but i think in those moments where you're a family caregiver and being very constantly exposed to just how different your loved one is in that disease progression i think that emotional um aspect is can take its toll and is um, can be can lead towards a huge level of of stress and and um, frustration often um, and this I think is a huge moment where we find that um, without the training of how do we approach someone in this in this right. 
particular disease um, can often make situations much worse um, by the way that we approach them, whether it's positive or negative. So um, this is definitely, I think, um, one of the the root causes of um, high levels of, of caregiver burnout. Yeah. Definitely. Well, let's talk yeah. about stress because stress is a killer. You know, as I said, 30 percent will die before their loved ones do. Many more, as much as 60 percent. And right now we're up to like 90%. So that means there's only uh, 10% of healthy caregivers out there. But the 60%, it's estimated, will live, but they'll become sicker than the ones they care for, hospitalize, mm-hmm. and eventually need a caregiver of their own. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're the lucky ones or the unlucky ones, but uh, stress is a killer. And yes. a lot of people, including me, I used to think that uh, this was only for family caregivers because professional caregivers, well, they're just doing it for the money. They're getting paid, but not so. So many professional caregivers uh, are part of my 34,000 uh, Facebook group of Caregiver Dave, and they talk about being depressed when their client, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. dies because they've been caring for them for a year or two or 10, and they become mm-hmm. emotionally attached to that client, just like it was their grandmother. So I think uh, professional caregivers get a bum rap in thinking that, you know, they're unlike the uh, family caregivers, the unpaid ones, just because they get paid, they're subject to all the same stress, right? I think that that's a really good point that you make around professional caregivers, because um, I think for, for most people going into this profession, they go into it because of their level of compassion and empathy skills. Right. And so I think it would be hard for most people to be doing this job and to be doing it without that kind of emotional connection and rapport that you build with someone. Um, and you really learn to be attached and to really to have a, a very special bond and um, sure. connection with the person that you're caring with. Um, and I think especially when caregivers do give so much of themselves, this is the, the I guess, the way that we do feel connection to someone else is when we give to them. And yeah. so... Even, and stress is more- a killer. Um, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it'll give you colitis or ulcers or God knows what. But uh, any ways that we can reduce our stress? Yeah. So I think that when it comes to this as well, it's um, often about... The, the fact that caregivers are taking on a lot of the stress of the person that they're caring for, mm-hmm. um, whether it's through the f- fear of losing independence or their, you know, maybe worry and concern about what might happen to them, maybe if they're at risk of falls and kind of always having that stress and the burden of, of that right. stress on them as well. So I think um, one some of the ways that we can think about that is being really proactive in how we are considering the person's abilities and needs um, in being able to really action them and and strategize about how we how we care for that person and what we can do for them um, in in more of a proactive way so that we're dealing with any of the difficulties or any of the maybe risks that might be coming up that we are actioning those who are proactive about dealing with them rather than being so worried and concerned and stressed about them that um, that often we're in a, maybe a state of not being able to to be to be proactive enough to, mm-hmm. to manage them. Especially when it comes to falls, we definitely find um, that traditionally, you know, where obviously 
trying to to manage the risk of falls but often it's only once a person has a fall that we do then think about oh what what do we need to do to to manage and deal with that um when it comes to our technology sensi one of the the approaches of of sensi is really looking at how we can be proactive in fall prevention in risk management in being able to analyze the environment to know where we need to direct those actions or manage those risks um and this can definitely have an impact here on on managing some of the stresses and concerns that people might be facing as caregivers yes and um let's talk about some techniques for family members to use when they're trying to you know help their loved ones or you know maybe they're not the caregiver but they they're the sibling of the caregiver but they they recognize that the caregiver is going through some rough times. Now, like I said, vacations are a great way to do that. And so um, there's there's ways that uh, besides vacations, uh, what are some ways that family members can you know throw in their two cents? Obviously, I say just well, my my mother uh, you know or is is taking all of my time and none of my siblings will help. I says, well, just tell them to send money and they can do their part, you know? So mm-hmm. other than that, what other things can uh, the siblings of a caregiver or the friends of a caregiver who see them not doing well can help? Yeah, so I think this is where a lot of the um, sharing, the emotional <clears throat> I guess, burden or, or um, the emotional support, um, mm-hmm. taking away some of those stresses through being able to share and speak and empathise about the experience of, of the caregiver. Um, I think ideally, if it's possible, then really sharing some of the practical ways that that people can help, um, that other, other family members can help or maybe um, friends or or. Mm-hmm um other other people within that person's life um for example you know sometimes it is that the the person is maybe alone for most of the day and it's up to that caregiver who's having to kind of pop in see that they're okay make sure that everything's right um, for the day but even trying to set up a routine around who's calling mum on on a particular day of the week who's um gonna just have that check-in um it's often not very very difficult or very time-consuming tasks Mm -hmm. but by being able to take the responsibility off one person who can delegate that over um i think can really have um, a huge impact to the overall well-being of both Mm -hmm. the the person being cared for and the person caring for them as well. And you know, it's very, <clears throat> it's very interesting because I'm, I'm going to be partnering with somebody who actually raises money to pay for a caregiver so that the other caregiver can go on a vacation. And obviously, I'm uh, providing vacations, so it seems like a good fit for us. But there are instances where they have the money and they just say, "No, I can't leave my loved one alone." in the hands of somebody else because they just Mm -hmm. want me. And these are generally perfectionists, you know, and they think uh, nobody can provide the quality care that I can. And that's true. Nobody can, but you know what? You've got to realize that good enough is good enough because Mm -hmm. if this means keeping you alive and keeping you from burning out, then it's okay to provide somebody with adequate care. 
not exceptional care, but it's just temporary. And the loved one will appreciate you so much more when they get back. So talk about that, why people would think, I can't take a vacation. I can't be away for a week uh, because they need me. They can't survive without me. I mean, is that really true? (laughs) Well, I think this comes back to the emotional aspect of caring. Um, And for family members especially who have that, um, I guess, sometimes a level of guilt around being the person who is involved, who is completing the the care tasks for for their loved one. Um, But having that kind of such a deep concern about about their loved one, I think often leads to them feeling like they're the ones who who need to take it on. Um, And this, I, I think, also goes to how we can think about sharing out tasks, delegating out tasks, whether it is with a home care agency and professional caregivers um, or whether it is thinking about, you know, different programs or, or places um, for their for their loved one to spend time during the day. Um, but I think that that concept of really thinking with them about their their capacity, their load and um, what does need to be done by them and maybe the parts of the caring um the caring role that could be shared and um, distributed somewhere else, mm. um, and I think that there is there is a lot of worry for 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 certain family caregivers around um, employing someone that they don't know um, and aren't familiar with uh, to be completing that role. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely a, a huge concern and something that a lot of people are are experiencing. So tell me about this company, Sensei or uh, Age Tech. Is it your company? Do you work for them? And what do they do? And because you said it was a technology that uh, that works on uh, burnout, that's a very interesting concept. Explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Sensei AI is a company that I work for. I'm head of clinical development. So as an occupational therapist, I'm able to apply my experiences and knowledge of working with within the care field with with geriatrics, um, with the clients themselves. Um, and the technology is a virtual care agent. So what that means is that um, it's a technology that can pick up on auditory data within a person's home mm. that can help to understand what are their care needs, what are some of the risks happening within their home, um, if there is difficulty with certain tasks or certain um uh, interactions can be picked up on through the technology that can really help us to understand that person, what they're going through, um, and what their level of quality of care is as well. This can really help to pinpoint um, where there might be an area of more care need or possibly where we might be able to adjust the way that we care for them um, to be able to really optimize their their environment um the the real aim here is to be able to keep people at home for as long as possible by managing and mitigating risks but also by really keeping their quality of care um up to a really high standard is this a listening device that would be in the home 
So it's a device that picks up on auditory data, um, but the way that it works is that it's based on artificial intelligence, which has been trained to pick up on information that's related to the person's care or the person's health and well-being. Keywords. Um, yeah, so there are certain keywords that will be trained by the that have been trained by the system to be able to focus on. Um, it can also pick up on certain tones. Um, and, and certain sounds like laughter, for example, often comes up as a very positive, um, interaction happening. Whereas if there is, um, a higher tone, um, of shouting, then this could be picked up on as an intensity within the environment. Um, so it really helps to analyze what is happening to be able to really pinpoint where do we need to focus our efforts in you know, dealing with possible risks or dealing with the interactions that are happening for the person. It sounds like it might also be able to uh, determine if uh, a loved one is being abused, no? Yeah, there there would be, um, you know, in instances of that and indication of that as well within um, what the system can pick up on. Um, I know that, like we said before, for for. Uh, family caregivers and family members who are concerned about what is happening for their loved one. Um, Sensi gives a really objective analysis there of what is uh, occurring within the so, the home of their. So this their sounds life. like a, a very sophisticated and technological uh, nanny cam to make sure that everything is going okay. You know, like let's say um, uh, I'm hiring someone to watch my mother when i'm away at work uh there are ways uh that that can tell me if everything's going okay or if they need more care or if she's happy or if she's angry yes without the cam part yeah um obviously it's not um audio okay yeah completely audio so that um you know obviously is a much more preferred option in terms of privacy and dignity um, of of our um, of our clients. Um, so are but, your clients yeah. mostly of uh, unpaid family caregivers or uh, professional caregivers in a facility? Mm. So mostly we work with home care agencies okay. um, who provide um, Sensi as part of the care that they that they okay. um, That's uh, provide. Yeah, it's so it's also they, available um, to a home caregiver, uh, unpaid, unpaid family caregiver. Yes. So at the moment, the we are selling Sensi through um, home care agencies. So it is something that um, can be um, found within um, all over the US within many different um, home care agency franchises. Um, it is often used as well as a standalone. So there is there are cases where um, it might be provided as a service of the home care agency without necessarily having caregivers going in um, as part of their agency. So there are instances where it could be used um, with family members and really understanding the needs of their their loved one, um, what's been what's happening for them when they aren't around. Things like that. Is this um, something that's proprietary only to your company? Or are there others around there? Is it new technology? If so, how new is it? How long has it been around? 
So it's um, our our company has been around for three years um, at Sensi, um, and we are really unique in being able to, um, you know, with the technology that we provide, we have a, a very unique way of analyzing um, a care specific to a care environment and specific to elderly clients as well. Um, so it's um, a very specific tech and the analytics and machine algorithm has been completely designed and uh, trained around this uh, specific um, wow. area. Um, and we have mil- millions and millions of um, hours of data that has been collected towards. Millions. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody wants to learn more about this and see if it would be uh, good for them, whether they're unpaid or a facility, how would they get a hold of you or how would they get a sample or a demonstration? So they could definitely head on to our website. It's sensi.ai. Um, and on there, it's very easy to be able to get a demo booked um, and to learn more information as well. We're also over all over social media. So feel free to find us on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, and yeah. Wow. Anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up the show um no that's all for me covered it all huh well i can't believe how fast our time has gone today thanks so much for coming on the show and um remember that all our live shows become recorded pod and video casts on all your favorite platforms and my number one newly released book secrets from the hammock uncommon wisdom for uncommon times a great book that's changing lives all over the world available wherever books are sold and if you want more information about the Acapulco Vacations for Caregivers, just go to caregiverdave.com. Actually, we have a new uh, website. Just they call it uh, acapulcodave.com, <laughs> and that'll take you straight to the new website that we did. And um, let's see, what else? Uh, if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search, search engine algorithms. And thank you again to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Caregiver Dave here. Caregiverdave.com. In beautiful Acapulco. Been here with Charlene for three wonderful weeks. Learning how to care for caregivers. Putting on my own event to have caregivers come here in this beautiful Acapulco Villa to rest, to relax, to recharge the batteries, to get some training for me, Caregiver Dave. And there's no substitute for getting away from your loved one's duties and responsibilities. Thank you. Over there? Uh, okay, over there. Over there. See, come on. The food is amazing. The staff are at your beck and call. The rooms are wonderful. The pool is great. The view is great. I mean, what's not to love? And yeah, thank you. See the view. See the view. Uh, No, just carbonated water. Thank you.
I mean, this is every caregiver's dream to get away <laughs> for a week. Seven wonderful, glorious days. And to be with other caregivers and to share their stories, to share their burdens, to share the, what they've learned, to network with each other. It's almost like a therapy group. <laughs> and I have been wanting to do something tangible for caregivers, but it costs money. <laughs> but I've managed to find a beautiful villa down here, owned by my mentor. And he's making it possible for me to bring 12, 14 caregivers up here for $3,995. I know that's a lot of money, and a lot of people say, I don't have that money. But you know what? You might have siblings, you might have parents, you might have children who do have that money. And they might feel very guilty that they can't help you because you have the burden of caring for this loved one. You were the chosen one for whatever reason, <laughs> because you have the compassion and the empathy and they don't, or you're geographically close to them and they're not. What a gift. I call it the gift of life because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. And so these loved ones of the caregiver, not the ones they're caring for, but the relatives, the siblings, the parents, the the friends, the people with money, people who are doing very well, the attorneys, the doctors. There are caregivers everywhere, across us all geographic boundaries, across us all eco economic boundaries, across us all racial boundaries, across us all celebrity boundaries. And we want those people to send you on a vacation and to care for your loved one or pay for the ones to care for the loved one and obviously pay for your vacation. So I'm offering this and the next one is going to be in May and believe me, it's the gift of life. Just imagine what it's like being in paradise for seven days, waking up at noon <laughs> to a beautiful breakfast, a beautiful lunch, beautiful dinner. This is gourmet food. I've never tasted food like this in five-star restaurants. They have a, a live-in chef, and and uh, I, uh, I can't say enough for the service, for the food, for the quality, for the six-star service. And this is what every caregiver needs. And don't let money stop you from doing this, because you might not have the money, but you know somebody who does, somebody who should be participating in the care of your loved one, but for whatever reason, they can't. And they can participate financially to save your life. Because let's face it, if you die or become hospitalized and need a caregiver of your own, then those people are going to be forced to either care for that loved one or, God forbid, put them in a nursing home. And nine out of ten of them, I wouldn't put my cat in. So if you are in a position to do this for your loved one, contact me caregiverdave.com. God bless you and think about it. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again.